0: If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open them, please, to Psalm 137. Psalm 137, some of the saddest words found in the Bible. I hope these words do not apply to you. I hope they do not apply to me. I hope they do not apply to our church. But I remind you they are written by the people of God. This is not agnostics, this is not infidels, this is not atheists, this is not pagans writing these words. These are the people of God writing these words, sad words about how they think and feel and about how they're living at this moment. Psalm 137, the day the singing died. By the rivers of Babylon, verse 1 of Psalm 137, there we sat down and we cried. We wept. The tears ran down our face. We remembered Zion. We hung our harps that once played music upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive mocked us, mocked our song. Those who plundered us requested us to sing songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion from which you came. But we said, how shall we sing the Lord's song? We are in a foreign land. The story is told of a singing parakeet whose name was Chippy. Chippy was always happy. And he always had a song coming out of his little mouth. A happy song he tweeted day in and day out. But one day his cage needed to be cleaned. And the lady of the house decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. Now, she had a little touch of ADD. And as she's vacuuming him out the bottom of his cage, she gets distracted. And then that distraction, the vacuum end, the nozzle, drifts up a little bit from the bottom of the cage. And Chippy is sucked up by the hose of the vacuum cleaner. He just disappears. Well, she is frantic absolutely frantic, she turns off the vacuum cleaner, she opens up the vacuum cleaner, she sees the bag of the vacuum cleaner where all the dirt and the debris go, and she rips open the bag, and lo and behold, Chippy is still alive. He made it through that sucking down into the bag. Yes, he's dusty. Yes, he's dirty. Yes, he's disgusting. He's a filthy little bird. But he's alive. She grabs Chippy out of the bag, this filthy little bird, and she runs over to the kitchen sink. And she turns on the cold water. And she She then begins to bathe him, to shower him, to get this dust and dirt off him. And she runs that cold water on him. Now he's clean, but he's shivering. The little bird is shivering. So she grabs the towel. Now the towel hasn't been had any softer put on it when it was washed, so it's kind of a coarse towel. And she starts rubbing Chippy. Well, she dries him in the rubbing, but she also he, braces his skin, messes his skin up. You can't rub a little bird that hard. She sees that, sees that his skin is getting red under the feathers, so she goes and gets a hair dryer. And she says, I'll draw him this way. So she blasts Chippy with a, with a flow of hot air. Now today, Chippy's back in his cage. But he just sits and stares. <laughs> he has no song. The music is stopped. Now don't be hard on Chippy. Suppose that was you or me. Suppose we got sucked up by a vacuum cleaner, washed up with cold water, roughed about with the coarse towel, and blown over by hot air. Would we be singing a song? Chippy lost his song. And you know, many of us here today who love the Lord, who claim the Lord is our Savior, who are going to heaven, many of us have lost our song. The music has stopped. Situations and sin have left our hearts broken, our lips silent, and our soul without any peace and any joy. Whenever you see in the Bible talk about singing, Singing has a double connotation in the Bible, like a lot of things do. Singing can mean words that come out of our mouth, like we did this morning in praise of the Lord. But singing can also be a metaphor for joy. So when you see singing in the Bible, it could mean singing that comes out of the mouth, but it also could mean singing that comes out of the heart. Joy. So when we say somebody's lost their song, they've lost their joy. The joy of the heart that only God can give to His people. When you see music in the Bible, it's not just about the sound of music played by instruments, although it can be that. Usually it runs a little bit deeper, and music is symbolic of peace. So when the music stops, the peace is gone. And so as we read our text, we're reading about the people of God who have lost their song, they have no joy. They've lost their music, they have no peace. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Let's look at three things real quick. First of all, the origins of music. Where does music come from? Where does the song that goes with music, where did it come from? If you notice verse 4 of Psalm 137, the people of God answer the Babylonians who are mocking them about singing a song and playing their music. Where's your joy? Where's your peace, you people of God? They answer in verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song? How shall we sing the Lord's song? How shall we play the Lord's music? We're in a foreign land. Where does song come from? Where does music come from? If you go back to Genesis chapter 4 verse 21, the Bible tells us there was a man by the name of Jubal. He made musical instruments and he made music. So, you could say, Pastor, I know where it came from. It came from Jubal. He made musical instruments and he learned how to play those instruments and he made music with those instruments. Well, humanly speaking, that might be true. But listen to your pastor. Song and music did not come from humanity, it came from divinity. It didn't come from man. It came from God. Music was created by God. The song that comes from music was created by God. And Job 38, uh, 38, verse 7, Job writes, We are, that God laid the earth's foundations. When God created this world, Job says the angels began to sing and shout with joy. So when God was busy in creation, those six days of creation, you say, what was the angels doing, pastor? Were they watching TV? Were they on vacation? Were they taking a nap? No, no, no. They were singing. They were making music in heaven They were thanking God as He was creating what would ultimately be you and I, the human race and all that we call earth and everything therein and thereof and thereabove. This music, this song came from God. He gave it to the angelic host and they began to sing and praise Him. They began to rejoice and celebrate in Him all that He was doing as he brought all of this together. And you know, the singing and the music didn't stop there. Once God created the heavens and the earth and all that was over us and under us and around us, including us, the Bible says the singing and the music continued. Because remember, where did it come from? It came from God. In Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, in the Christmas story that Dr. Luke tells us, At the birth of Jesus, what did the angels do? They came to the shepherds, did they not? They made some announcements, did they not? But do you know they also sang songs of praise? The angelic choir came and they sang in the sky. And whosoever would listen could hear them. So at creation, the angels sang and made music. At the birth of Jesus, at the Incarnation, they sang and they made music. Do you know in Luke chapter 15, it tells us that when a sinner is saved, there is rejoicing in heaven. There's shouting time in heaven when a man or a woman or a teenager, a boy or girl, gives his life to God. And you know what that word rejoicing literally means? It means singing. When you got saved, the angels were singing. When I got saved, the angels were singing. When those that we know and love get saved, there is celebration in heaven. In Psalm 100, it tells us that when God's people are blessed by God and shown God's favor, they should sing songs of praise. What has God done for you that's good lately? You don't have to tell me out loud. Has God done anything for you good? Then you know how you say thank you to Him through song? You say, Pastor, I can't sing a lick. Neither can I. But the Bible doesn't say we have to make song. Just make noise in song. Make a joyful noise. I can do that. So you see, God is the author, the originator, the creator of music. Because music brings peace. He's the author, he's the creator, he's the originator of song, because song brings joy. Do you know that music brings peace and joy? It comes from God, he gives peace and joy. He did it at creation, at the incarnation, at the salvation of sinners, And just when people are blessed by him, he expects us to say thank you in that. The sounds of music, the words of song that bring peace and joy. And you know when God gives that peace and joy, there's no outward situation or circumstance that can take it from us. The psalmist in chapter 40 verse 3 says, The Lord has put a new song in my mouth. A new song. Not the old song that's grizzling and griping and complaining and carping. But a new song. A new song of praise. Praise. Thanksgiving, celebration, rejoicing. God wants us to do that with a song from our heart and from music from our soul. You say, Pastor, you don't know my situation. No, I don't. You don't know mine. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a song and can't play the music. That we can't have God's joy and can't have God's peace. Lloyd Bridges, many years ago, he went to a borrowed room and he wrote the words of this hymn. We sing it all the time, we just don't understand the background of it. Let me read to you the first two stanzas of He Keeps Me Singing. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. And all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Second stanza. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my sweet and low. Fear not, I am with you. Peace be still. Stirred the slums of sl- I've got messed up here. Let me, let me back up. I get one mistake a year. I've used it. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept the cross with broken strings. Stirred the slumbling chords again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. We've sang that song many times. Do you know the circumstances of that song? Lloyd Bridges just got a pay raise. He just won the raffle. He just got promoted. He wrote that song in just a few hours upon receiving word that his wife and two daughters had been burned up in a house fire and were dead. How would you handle that? He went to a borrowed room because he didn't have a house anymore, nor a wife, nor two daughters. And he wrote that song that talks about having a song of joy, having a, a music of peace that can't be taken away by anything this world can do to you. Let's move on, secondly, to the obstacles of music. What happened to the people of God to cause them to lose their song and their music? Notice in verse 1 of Psalm 137, By the rivers of Babylon... There we sat down and we wept. We remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. Let's stop there. What took away the song of God's people, which is joy? What took away the music of God's people, which is peace? What did it? Well, notice where they're at, and you'll understand what happened. Babylon is mentioned in verse 1. Now, pay attention. You'll learn something. Babylon was a real place. It actually existed in the time that this was written. If you had a globe, if you had a map, you could put your finger on Babylon. It was a great world empire. It was led by King Nebuchadnezzar. It was an empire that was filled with vanity and vice and vileness and and violence. Babylon was a real place. It was a place that was far from God and far from godliness. But Babylon is not just a geographic place on a map. Babylon is also a state of one's heart. Just like you can point to the real Babylon, the literal Babylon, the physical Babylon by putting your finger on a map. You can point to the spiritual Babylon by putting your finger on your heart. Because Babylon in the Bible is a place of darkness. It's a place of despair. It's a place of depression. It's a place where the people have no song. They have no music. God's people had been taken to Babylon. They were in Zion. Zion consisted of Jerusalem and the outlying areas. Jerusalem is called the heavenly city. In Jerusalem, they had a song. In Jerusalem, they had peace because they were close to God. But God's people decided to play fast and loose with sin. And because of that, God sent the judgment of the Babylonian empire against the nation of Israel. And those who were free, those who were living in a heavenly place, those who had peace and those who had joy, those who had song and those who had music, the Babylonians came in and carried them all off and took them away. God's people became slaves. They became servants. They were not allowed to have a song. They had no song. They had no joy. They had no music. They had no peace. In Babylon, all they had was silence, eerie, frightening silence. God's people lost their joy. They lost their music because they chose when they were in Zion, the heavenly place, to rebel against God. America would be wise to hear what I'm about to say to you. This church would be wise to hear. You and I would be wise to hear. Whenever we choose as a nation, as a church, or as individuals to play fast and loose with the things of God, particularly His holiness, God will get our attention. He will constantly speak to us. He'll speak to us in a still, small voice. He'll speak to us in a loud voice. He'll speak to us through situations and circumstances of adversity and affirmity, as Janice spoke about. God will speak to us. He will speak constantly. He'll speak continually. He'll speak with patience. He'll speak with long-suffering. But there will come a time when if we will not listen to God. We arrogantly, stubbornly tell God, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to do what we want to do. That God will bring judgment. And The book of Jeremiah tells us that God brought judgment against His nation and the church of His day and the people of God of that day by bringing the Babylonians against them, And the Babylonians destroyed everything and took all the God's people back to Babylon and made them slaves. And God took away His peace and joy. That's why they're miserable. That's why they're crying. You see, sometimes we think if we don't have peace and joy, it's just because we're stressed out. Got a lot of problems. Or we're sick. We just have never-ending pain. Or we're sour. You know, we just got a little negative for a while. Now listen to me. Those things can lessen your peace and joy. But they can't take it. You know what takes your peace and joy? You want to know what moves you from Zion to Babylon? You know what takes your song and your music and leaves you sitting in the dark in silence? Are you ready? Sin. Sin unconfessed, ongoing, willful, unrepentant, stubborn sin. That kind of sin will steal your joy, it will kill your music, it will take your joy, it will rob your peace. It's been wisely said the most miserable person in the world is a sinful Christian. Too much Jesus to enjoy sin, too much sin to enjoy Jesus. They're in a no-man's land, getting shot at from both sides. Remember when David had sin in his life? The great King David, a man after God's own heart, he allowed sin to come into his life. God spoke to David repeatedly about doing something with that sin, and David arrogantly did not do anything with it, but continued in it. And so God took away David's peace, his music. He took away David's joy, his song. And Psalm 51, verse 12, Psalm 51 would be a good psalm to read on your own. It talks about David and God's chastening of David. But in Psalm 51, verse 12, David says to the Lord, Restore to me my song, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And verse 80 says, make me hear joy and gladness again. Allow me to hear the music of joy and gladness again. Sin will rob you of your song. It'll take your music. Don't blame it on stress. Don't blame it on sickness. Don't blame it on sourness because it can't do that. The God who's the originator of the music and song Will take the music and song if his people will not comply with what he asks them to do. Does that make sense to you? You say, but my sin, Pastor, is just a little one. Just a little one. I just lie, cheat, and step on people's feet. I just cuss a little bit, fuss a little bit, and dance the hoochie Not Not much, Pastor. It ain't much. <laughs> It don't have to be much. Any sin that God convicts you of that you're doing, and you refuse to confess it, you continue to do it, you're willful, deliberate about it, unrepentant, stubborn, you are asking God to move in against you. You are parents. Do you let your children run wild at the house? No, you don't. You discipline your children because discipline creates an order. Discipline brings peace and joy in the home. Discipline allows the child to be raised in a way that will profit them later. And God is a parent. He he, he wants us to obey Him. He wants us to do what's right, and if we don't, He will discipline us. So, the question is as I close, what do we do? Pastor, you're preaching to me. You keep looking at me. I'm not looking at you. God is. You've lost your song. You have no joy. Oh, you might have a smile on your face, but you have no joy in your heart. You've lost your music. You have no peace. In your soul. as Simon and Garfunkel would say, you have the sounds of silence. And it's eerie, and it's frightening, and it's miserable, it's terrifying. God has taken you out of Zion and put you in Babylon. He's made you a captive to people who mock you and laugh at you and ridicule you. What can you do? What can I do if that's you, me, us? What can this church do? What can this nation do? Well, notice in verse 4 through 6. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forgot you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. He tells them to remember. Remember what? Remember the time when you were in Zion, Jerusalem, the heavenly place. Remember the time when you did have peace. You did have joy. Do you remember that? It can happen again. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to go to heaven by going through hell down here. You can have heaven down here before you go to heaven up there. How do you get it, pastor? Confession and change. Confession. If I confess my sin, not the person in front of me, not the person behind me, not the person to the left of me, not to the person to write of me, if I confess my sin, confession means, Lord, I'm guilty. I did it. I have no one to blame. I have no defense. I have no alibi. I have no excuse. Lord, this is what I did. This is what I said. This is what I did not do. This is what I did not say. Because sin can be passive and it can be aggressive. It can be something you do or something you should have done but you didn't do. You confess your sin. You say, Pastor, I don't know what that sin is. Really? You know. And if you don't know, ask the Holy Spirit. He'll be glad to show you what it is. Because that's what He does. He puts His finger on the sinfulness of our lives and presses to get our attention. We confess our sin. That's the only way you're going to have peace and joy again, a song, music. You've got to deal with your sin. And if you won't deal with it, God will continue to deal with you about it. And then secondly, you've got to change. Lord, I'm sorry I got drunk last night. And Lord, I'm going to get drunk tonight, so I'm going to ask you to forgive me too. It doesn't work that way. You can't ask God's forgiveness and then repeatedly go back and keep doing the same old things over and over and over. There has to be a change. If you genuinely confess, there will be a genuine change. And when you do that, the peace and the joy, the song and the music will come back. God will take you out of Babylon and bring you back to Zion. He'll take you out of the hellish city and bring you back to the heavenly city. He'll take you out of slavery and make you a son and daughter, a free person again. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.